On this edition of Inspired Conversations over a Kappa, let's delve into how faith and belief has served as an indirect tool in conservation. To have this interesting chat, we have with us Dr. Jayantavati Vidana. He's a well-known zoologist, researcher, and media personality in Sri Lanka. So Jayanta, is there a connection between environment and faith and belief? Faith and belief, some people think that the similar similar words two similar words but some people think that uh, faith is little bit different from belief always faith generates on belief if you think about the global scenario mainly the religions divide into two branches one is theocentric religions other branch is called homocentric religions theocentric religions shamodi always they believe eternal good or kind of supernatural power definitely they have belief on that and they develop faith but homocentric religions different they don't have eternal gods they don't have supernatural powers they believe on themselves they believe on human capacity so most of the religions in the world judaism christianity and islam belongs to theocentric religions they believe god they uh, believe what god said then everything they believe uh, happened according to god's will you said about uh, i mean faith and belief in relation to environmental conservation yes the faith if they have faith on god belief they believe god if the the doctrine of their religion if they say that uh, environment is important they believe on environment conservation and all those things but there are a number of research done to see whether any association they found that not much associated to environmental conservation and so on and so forth but especially when when we explore about the homocentric religions especially in global scenario buddhism and jainism they are very much associated with the forest nature water and uh, environmental conservation and good will of the environment in sri lankan context actually we have mainly our uh, society or we call uh, civilization mostly depend on the jainism hinduism and the buddhism although the hinduism also a theocentric religion they they believe uh, a lot of things they are we call polygod they have their subject gods for all the aspects the forest and the uh, the, the money and the art and culture like the religions they had in greece olympus they are more or less similar and also the other thing that uh, believes are concerned there are some local religions like uh, shinto in japan and then we had lot of believes about deities of different uh, parts they are very much related to environment some of the deities are uh, former village heads of i mean the leaders of their society after death they they believe that they have become deities to protect the safeguard the environment so those uh, those are the main beliefs and faiths if we consider most of the societies and also tribal societies they had their own beliefs i mean they are very much associated with the forest because they live on the forest and they are all living all their work within the forest 
they very much interested about the well-being of the forest. They never destroy forest, even our ancestral populations here. We call, they are also uh, more or less same. But now we know that if you think about 50 years, 100 years back, even our forefathers and grandfather and their fathers and forefathers, they really very much associated with the, with the environment. Whatever they did, they didn't want to harm the environment. Actually, the word coexistence is the key word because now we talk about conservation and sustainable development and all those things. But the key word behind that is coexistence. We have to accept coexistence. Actually, in our culture, uh, even King Devanampitisa had a very good advice from Arhat Mahinda. But the, what was the advice? The Arhat Mahinda said, Oh, great king, all living beings, including beasts and the birds, should have equal right as you to live in this land and also move around. Finally, he said, you are not the ruler, you are the guardian of it. That was a remarkable advice. I mean, unbelievable advice for a king at that time. Never, I mean, I, I don't think any part of the world, none of the rulers got that sort of advice. Because of this, most people believe that Mihintala is the first sanctuary declared by a royal order. So from that point, not only the, the, the governing body, but also the layman, citizen, started following those ethics. Some are rules, some are ethics. I tell you, Chamudi, one thing. Those days when they go in the forest, there was an unwritten rule. They go one after the other, not as flocks. One after the other means they may, I mean, only on footpaths. Minimizing the damage to the forest. And also they had uh, blocks of forest. Forests very close to the settlements, they call one name. And when you go go into the forest, deep into the forest, the final part they call, they used to call Hime. I mean in today's context, strict nature reserve. In a village, they allow only one person and his assistant to enter to that part. You know, with the person, not the village headman, the local doctor. He knows about the ethnobotanical value of all the plants. He knows the value of those. He will harvest whatever he needs sustainably. But nowadays, you know that all Aralubulu, how they harvest. So those are the unwritten rules they uh, practice in the society. And also killing. Even our that uh, most of the societies unnecessarily didn't kill. Although they wanted to kill some people, they killed only for, only for food, their food, not for selling. And also other concept actually, we can't forget it. Because of Buddhism, our society got lots of inputs to environmental conservation. Because Lord Buddha, he himself lived in a different way. Although he, is, uh, he was from a palace, after leaving the palace, he lived almost all his life either in forest or forest monasteries. And also traditionally, Prince Siddhartha or, or, or Lord Buddha enlightened under a tree, fig tree. 
After that, it became Bhotri or Fikas Religiosa. But that they worship the wisdom, not the tree, but tree as a symbol. That's why they call Bodhi. So they brought that concept here. Then people had that practice earlier also. They thought that bigger trees with deities and all, they were worshipping those. Then the same concept transformed into a little different concept. But that also supported uh, to conserve trees. And also Buddhist monks, you know that, with higher ordain, they are not supposed to cut trees, even a leaf. So all those things are in line with forest conservation. So those are actually beliefs, finally. And, and also they, they have faith on the... But they faith and believe both. But the homocentric religions are concerned, belief is there, but not that, not much faith. Faith always related to supernatural forces. Then our context, I think you can find lots of examples because of belief and because of cultural practices, because of unwritten rules and ethics, environment was protected. Right. So, um, a lot of countries like Sri Lanka has different faiths coexist in the same cultural mosaic. So in a situation like that, how does a conservationist navigate the terrain, if I may ask? Basically, what uh, one uh, that we should understand, uh, sociologically, there are two rules. No culture or society not influenced by other societies or other cultures. And the other thing, there's no culture or society is identically equal to another culture. I mean, why I wanted to say this, although we have different cultures, there are some influences by other cultures. That words they use, words different cultures use, is more or less similar now. Hindus in Sri Lanka is different from Hindus in India. Um, Christians in Western world is different from that Christians in Sri Lanka. Because when they coexist, when they live together, they share most of the important things, most of the things share with each other. So although we have, as you said, although Sri Lanka is a mosaic, there are most of the similar characters found in all the cultures now because of the coexistence. We lived together for 100, 200, 300,000 years together. So we are like family now. So because of that, we, most of the culture, share good practices considering the environmental conservation. So now it's the part of storytelling. Can you share an experience or two you've personally encountered of conservation being founded in faith and beliefs? Shamodi, there are some faiths not exactly associated with religions. One example is most of our people, especially our ancient cultures, they considered water as a sacred thing. So they treated water as a sacred entity. So the environmental conservation is con concerned. Water conservation is a major part. Especially countries like ours, water is life. So if you look at the system of a village tank or a tank culture. Now we call Vava culture. We don't use tank word because Vava tank, our perception is different. But Vava is really a naturalized 
man-made ecosystem. So go and see, explore the components of Vava. That's a live example for water conservation and also conservation of other surrounding uh, entities. And also, as we, as I mentioned, that all the forest monasteries, those forest patches conserved due to kind of belief and faith. And also, most of the trees we conserve because of our faith. So that concludes another interesting episode of Inspired Conversations over a Kappa. Thank you, Dr. Janta Vathavidana, for sharing your thoughts and your experience with us with this little bit of different uh, topic, but extremely interesting, I must say. Thank you once again.